This is a Brains and Babies. I'm your host, Cindy Moneto, and I love all things development, from conception through birth and into early childhood. My number one goal as an educator is to empower mothers with tools to have more balanced children. So if you like babies and or brain info with some semi-crunchy tidbits thrown in here and there, then we can be friends. Welcome to another episode. I'm so happy you guys are here. I always have the urge and desire to sing Welcome to Illyria, the song from She's the Man. If you know it, then we can be friends. But alas, I cannot sing, so I will not torture anyone with that. But last week I did um, introduce primitive or infant reflexes and promised that I would talk more about them. I also want to apologize. I said I was going to start getting episodes out on Tuesdays. I lied. I did that for one week before falling off the wagon with that. My husband just the other day, um, what did he say? He was like, you are the least routine driven person I know because he was talking about how I always put the keys like in a different spot or like the brush, just like random things. So I'm working on being a more routine driven person. So thanks for still being here. This is definitely not going out on a Tuesday. I'm so sorry, but I'll be better and not be the worst anymore. So um, so if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I think it's like 10 or 15 minutes long. It's super short. So go ahead and go listen to that first and then come back to this one. But in summary, when we retain these primitive or infant reflexes, I'll kind of use both words interchangeably. They're, they're the same thing. Um, but the biggest problems when these primitives are retained are that one, they don't allow for proper development to occur. It's like having the foundation of your house, um, have cracks in it or making, having it be very weak. So you'll, you'll notice the cracks or you'll notice it more as time goes on. And so oftentimes the, when our kids retain these reflexes, they become more and more apparent with time. As they're older, it's like, ooh, that they should have outgrown that by now. Um, and and then naturally too, we also this is just human nature, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with this. We gravitate towards things that we're good at, but when primitive reflexes are present, that can increase that gap by avoiding things that are hard because we retain these and continuing doing things that we're good at. It makes these once again more apparent, especially as our kids get older. The other one of the other biggest problems with primitive reflexes that don't integrate are that they keep parts of the brain in a reflexive state, meaning our kids are having involuntary responses. They're automatic and not controlled. And one of the most heartbreaking things for me to see is when I was working with kids and dealing with this every day, it was so hard when I would hear kids say or their parents would say that they'd say things like, I'm a bad kid, I didn't mean to. I know I'm not supposed to, I just can't help it. And that's what's so hard is when our kids know better and they're trying, but their bodies and their brains don't allow them to do better. And as parents, that's frustrating because you feel like you're like beating your head against a brick wall sometimes. It's like, oh my gosh, I know you know better. And quick disclaimer, part of this is normal. Obviously, kids are not robots, and the prefrontal cortex of the brain doesn't fully develop until early adulthood. So, meaning that, like, up until age like I don't know, 26 is what some people say, like mid 20s, early 20s, then we are still learning to regulate emotions, thoughts, to use those, you know, higher thought processes. So, part of it is normal, but what's not normal is it happening constantly all of the time, which is what our kids are dealing with, is constantly fighting against an involuntary response, trying to behave or do better or um, be better in school or at home, and they, they're, they're fighting against it, basically. So, 
Hopefully it makes a little bit more sense. What I'm trying to say is as I break a few key ones down. So I'm going to start with my personal favorite. I don't know if you should have a favorite primitive reflex, but I, I do. It's the Moreau. I mentioned this last time, your startle reflex. Um, I think it's a favorite because it's such a big one. It's This is... 100% an anecdotal made up statistic, but I would say probably like 90% of the kids that I used to work with um, had this present. The severity differed. Some it was more mild, some it was very prevalent, but it was so, so apparent in so many kids. So this Moreau or startle reflex is that fight, flight, or freeze response. And it starts to emerge in utero actually around nine weeks. It's then present at birth. And then by about two to four months old, it should be inhibited. And then it continues to mature and it's replaced by an adult startle reflex called the Strauss reflex. So what happens is this is triggered by any sort of change in stimuli. So like a sudden noise, sudden light, sudden movement. Um, if there's sudden things that are tactile, even like being handled too rough or getting in pain, we, we naturally go into fight, flight, or freeze. So it helps with that survival piece. So when our when our babies, like I mentioned, I think I mentioned this last time, you can see it. Like if you are holding your baby, maybe they're almost asleep or just in a relaxed state or just being happy and someone like slams a door right by them, their arms go out, their legs go out. They'll often do like a sharp intake of breath, like, <gasps> right? They're, they're startled and then their senses all go into hyperdrive for a little bit until they're able to, you know, assess the situation and say, okay, I'm not in life or death danger right now. I don't, I don't need to have this response. And then they're able to calm back down. So what we see when it's retained is we see kids that are hypersensitive physically, meaning they're easily overstimulated by lots of sounds, smells, lights, um, all of those things together or some more than others. There are lots of other factors that play into like sensory issues and sensory sensitivities, but this Moreau reflex is, is definitely a large one. It also leads to kids constantly being in alert mode. They're like always in that, I'm you can't see, I'm tensing my body right now, like in a state ready to spring into fight or flight. Um, like think of, think about if you, let's say, I think like the majority of people listening to this are, are women, except for maybe my husband. Thanks, babe. But um, so let's say you're home alone. Your spouse, significant other is out of town and you hear like a noise and it's an unusual noise. What does your body do? You tense your shoulders. You kind of like you widen your eyes. Your body is is ready to spring into action if needed until you assess. And you're like, I'm OK. I can breathe again. And you start to calm down. So our kids that have this reflex are constantly in that state where they like hear a noise and they're tensed up. So they have extra stress hormones like flowing through their bodies. They don't have, there's the opposite of being in fight or flight is being in rest and digest. So they're not having proper digestion. They have tummy issues and autoimmune issues, allergies. And on top of that, they're often exhausted. Like think if you were always in that state of like, oh my gosh, there's someone here. Is there someone in my house? And you were in that state like 24 seven, you would be completely exhausted. So some of our kids um, are Either one way or the other, they're overtired and have difficulty sleeping or they're extremely tired and sleep like more than more than is normal. Um, they also have hypersensitivity, um, like I said, to those like physical things like sights and sounds. So it can make it difficult to focus like in a classroom setting. Um, think about in a classroom when you're sitting in your desk, let's say you're in second grade, right? Think of all the other noises and things that are happening. Not only is your teacher probably talking, there might be another kid whispering behind you, there might be another kid 
tapping their pencil. Um, there might be a truck that goes by in the window outside. And if you are in fight or flight, you're hearing all of those noises like on like loud, right? So you're constantly turning and looking and you're like, what's going on? Where is that? Trying to assess the threat and figure out um, if you need to be afraid of anything. So it makes it really hard to focus. Then because of this, um, a lot of kids that retain this, they kind of go one of two ways. Either they're so overwhelmed by all of this that they totally withdraw because to put it kind of, I guess, simply, they, they kind of can't handle more than quote unquote surviving. Like they're just trying to get through the day with constantly feeling like they're, they have to fight or flee or freeze for something. They feel like they're always in danger in some way. And they, they can't often identify this. It's not easy to be like, well, what's going on? It's like, oh, you know, I do some, I'm in fight or flight all the time. We just see kids that are overreactive or overwhelmed. Um, so they could be, yeah, either really withdrawn because they're overwhelmed or the flip side of that is they're overreactive with either aggression. They t- might like lash out. They might have really big emotions that are not necessarily typical for kids their age. Um, or they might even be frustrated by their own emotions. Like something I heard all the time was when kids would say, I didn't mean to do that. I'm so sorry. I didn't want to get mad or I didn't want to get angry. It's like they, once again, they know better, but because of these reflexes, they, they can't do better like they want to. Um, it can lead to difficulty socializing. You might not understand the small, subtle, you know, nonverbals or things that people are giving you. And so you have a hard time connecting and making friends. Um, really small things can be triggers. So a lot of kids that have this very present, they don't like change and they're not great at adapting. It's like, once again, like a life or death situation. If maybe let's use the socializing example, maybe they're playing house with a friend and they've always been the mom and the friend is like, yeah, let's do it. Let's have you be the baby today. Well, you're in fight or flight. You say that that's like, no, that's not what it is. And so then we have maybe a meltdown or aggression or something like that. Uh, And so that can make it really hard as a parent when you're dealing with a kid constantly in this mode, because once again, if we don't know, we just get a kid that is labeled as aggressive or is labeled as poor focus or maybe ADHD or all of these other things when it, it it's not it's not their fault. It's really it's really truly not their fault. So that's the Moreau reflex. Um, now another one is the Palmer reflex. So this one uh, might be more familiar to some people. This is that infant grasp reflex. Like if you have a little baby and you put your finger in their hand or kind of stroke the palm of their hand, they naturally grasp around it. They hold on to it. This is another one that was for survival. There's a lot of researchers that believe it was like back in the olden days when people were, you know, our ancestors were like roaming the plains and there were more threats. They had to be able to hold on tighter to their caregiver. Um, Anyway, so it starts to develop. It's another one that starts to develop in utero and then it's present when baby's born and then it should be inhibited by about two to three months old. So the biggest impacts with these are probably with manual dexterity. So things like holding a pencil properly is really hard. Um, So things like coloring and handwriting are difficult. And then our other fine motor skills that kind of piggyback off of that are also hard. So even things like playing instruments like the piano or guitar are going to be really difficult. Um, our, you know, Legos, we might not gravitate towards Legos or we might get frustrated by them, even if we want to try them. Um, there's different things that, that can kind of factor into this, into this, that's not a word, into this one. This one also ties heavily with the rooting reflex. Um, our hand and mouth, they often have movements that tie together, like 
if you watch your little babies, I have a little baby that, oh my gosh, she's like five months old, almost six months. But I was watching her, this is like a few weeks ago, but she was going to grab something. She was like trying to reach for something and her little mouth was just moving with it. It was like opening and she was just like, ah, like a little tongue was out. She was so concentrated. Um, so that shows that, that our mouth and our hands tied together. So when it's present, we see issues with um, not only manual things, but oral things later on, which ties into our rooting reflex. So this is the last one I'll talk about today. Um, my son always, his new thing is one mo, not more. He'll be like, one mo, one mo time, one mo car. So one mo for us. So this, this is another one that um, is probably more familiar to many of us than some of the other reflexes. So this is another one that starts to develop in utero, but it's not till a little bit later when baby starts kind of sucking and swallowing. And then it's also inhibited by around three to four months old. So this one, when you have a newborn baby, um, and sometimes like lactation consultants or people will, will teach you this when you're figuring out nursing or or feeding your baby. If you lightly touch your baby's cheek or corner of their mouth, then baby naturally turns their head. And oftentimes when they turn their head towards that stimulus, their mouth is open and their tongue is out. You should see me. I'm literally doing this right now. Um, but if they do that, it means they're ready to eat. And it's usually stronger, like the response, a more dramatic head turn, a more dramatic mouth opening when baby is hungrier, uh, kind of based on when they were last fed. So this is another one that obviously it helps with survival. That's why it's called a primitive reflex. It, it helped us in a primitive state because it helps babies learn to latch, to eat, to nurse, and to, to feed. So if it's retained, then we have kids with hypersensitivity or hypo, so either overly sensitive or under undersensitive, um, but hypersensitivity tends to be a little bit more common with foods. They base things off of textures, so we might have picky eaters, um, kids that are eating more like beige carby foods um nothing that is kind of a different texture they kind of stick to those and like i mentioned this one ties into that palmer reflex so like fine motor skills can piggyback off this one being pregnant just because these these two work hand in hand um speech speech is a big one because if you kind of think about it i kind of said this before but if part of your brain is immature which in this case younger than three to four months old but other parts it advance so we continue to move to three years old four years old five years old and we're trying to talk but then we have a big block in the way basically it it makes it hard so we might have kids that have speech issues whether it's like actual like you have a hard time saying certain letters or pronunciation or um even getting speech out at all we have some kids that are really low on the verbal scale or nonverbal. It's because this rooting reflex can often factor into that. And once again, it's not the only piece of the puzzle, but it's a very big piece of the puzzle. And I, I once again, my heart just breaks for these kids because how frustrating would it be to have parts of your brain at like three or four or five and you're trying to articulate something, but then there's a stinking reflex in your way that makes it so that you, you can't articulate it like you want or how you want or when you want. So, so naturally when we have any of these present, and those are the three I'll talk about today, it starts to impact our kids. Emo oh my gosh, I just clicked on Lightning McQueen. Sorry. Um, it starts to impact them emotionally. So there are, I mean, lots of adults that have this present. So maybe you don't have to imagine if one of these resonates with you, but um, it's, once again, it's 
be frustrating. You can't control things. And then if you're labeled, like if you're in a school setting and you constantly have a startle reflex happening. And so you're labeled as distracted or disruptive when it's, it's not your, in your control, then that's something they can, our kids can carry with them for forever. So, um, a huge part of this is to integrate them. And that's the the great thing about the brain. I think I'm, I probably talked about it in like the first or second episode about the neuroplasticity of the brain, meaning the brain can change. The brain can change at any age. And that means that if you have these present, if your kids have these present, you can work to integrate them. And there are lots of resources online. There are programs that are specific to integrating them. Um, like the program, a company I used to work for brain balance is one, I believe like the Amen clinic does some with it. There's other like neuro clinics. Um, a lot of chiros, especially if they like work or specialize with kids that they will be familiar with them or should be. There's videos online. Um, there's a really great book called Reflexes, Learning, and Behavior. That's um, a really good resource as well. So I, I there, there is hope in integrating these and things can, can change and get better. And it does take time. It definitely takes time and repetition and you have to do like daily exercises, but um, there's a chance to, to help your kids integrate these. So I feel like I talked fast. I always talk fast. Who am I kidding? I used to talk about these all day, every day, and I like, I really miss it. I like miss talking about this because it's so, it's so important and so crucial for development. So, uh, like I said, I'll break down a few others next week. Um, and then I've got some other fun topics on my schedule, on the docket, if you will. Uh, message me if you have any questions at of brains and babies on Instagram, try to be better about posting more on there. I got a whole bunch of goals. Be more consistent with episodes, post more on social media. It just, it's, it's not my forte, but I'll get there because we can change. The brain can change. Look at that. So without further ado, that's all I have for today. And I will talk to you guys soon.